Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Pavan, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Jessica Patry. Jessica is a certified nutrition coach who uses her knowledge and past experience with eating disorder recovery to help people form sustainable relationships with food for life. Jessica was such a blast to have on, and I really want to thank her again for coming on and having this discussion with me. And I do want to put a trigger warning before this episode because we do dive into eating disorders and the recovery of eating disorders. Now, before we get into the episode today, guys, you know the drill. If you're listening, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on that podcast platform. Share with someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I can't wait for you to listen. I'll talk to you all very soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. Good. Jessica, what's going on? Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. So we're going to dive right in. I know we talked off camera just now about how it's a heavy, big loaded question. So what what inspired you to get into the nutrition business, the advocacy work that you do, all of it? That's definitely um, a hard hitting question. I feel like it definitely dives into my story and um, why I got into like the advocacy for mental health, the advocacy for like body positivity and loving yourself. And then also what it, it allowed me to find a love through nutrition and public health. Um, sorry. No, you're <laughs> um, <laughs> so what first got me into nutrition was my eating disorder. Um, so I had an eating disorder when I was 16 and that made me throughout my entire years and throughout my years of going to college and kind of figuring out what I want to do, um, I found nutrition and I noticed, I realized that through nutrition, I was able to help myself recover um, also through the help of doctors as well. Um, but that's really what got me started with nutrition was my eating disorder. Me having that eating disorder when I was 16 um, really allowed me to open my mind up to nutrition. Right. And, and when you were 16, did did you ever have any issues with like eating disorders or mental health prior or, or was it kind of, did it kind of all just come into play at 16? So one thing that I noticed, especially as getting older, obviously I didn't realize this when I was 16, um, was when I, my childhood kind of foreshadowed my eating disorder. Um, I remember when I was a child, I like and I'm talking about five, six years old, I would take my fingers and I would put them down my throat and kind of make myself throw up. Mm. Um, and I also remember taking a knife and sorry, <laughs> we're getting personal here. Yeah, no, you're okay. <laughs> um, taking a knife to my skin of my stomach and threatening to cut off my skin to my mom, my sister. It sounds like I was a very disturbed child, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, it, like thinking back about that and those like two specific moments that I remember, it kind of foreshadowed me into 10 years to have an eating disorder because it's, I've always had those thoughts in my head. I was always those like those thoughts where you think like you're not good enough, you're not worthy, um, people don't like you, you're not pretty, like all those thoughts that continue to destroy your character and control like destroy who you are. So no, it didn't just happen like overnight. It was kind of just like collectively going 
all like throughout my entire life. I, um, I remember I found a community on Twitter and the community was called pro Anna pro anorexia. Mm. And I found them through my personal on my Twitter account. So I made an anonymous Twitter account where I started doing my progress, like my weight loss journey and all my progress and kind of joining that community. Um, I don't condone the pro Anna community now because I understand where I was then. It was promoting bones and like throwing up, making yourself throw up and like all these very bad um, eating disorder. And it was what got me into my eating disorder and realizing like, wait, okay, if I put my finger down my throat and throw up, like I'll get skinny. And it like, it shows ways of burning calories for 10 minutes. Like oh, you can burn a hundred calories in 10 minutes and all this other stuff. So um, it got me into that as well. Was that Twitter account around when you were 16 or was that before? Uh, so the pro Anna um, was around my anonymous Twitter account I made when I was like 16. Um, and it's still active today. I have about over 20,000 followers on it, but I don't really post on it anymore just because it's kind of like a piece of my past that I don't, that I kind of just want to leave in my past, but I'm still not ready to kind of delete it altogether, I guess. Right. Cause it's part of your story and, you know, yeah. kind of shift shaped who you are today. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like I don't, regret you know having an eating disorder I don't regret everything in my life um the one thing that I would regret if I did have any regrets was not recovering um completely and fully today mm, right now now in terms of the recovery like when when you were 16 and you had the eating disorder like what what, what prompted you to get the help that you needed because when it comes to recovery for anything <clears throat> you know it, it's not easy to sit there and go, I have a problem that I need to address here. Um, And it's kind of the hardest first step to ever do. So what prompted your first step there? Um, So it didn't happen right away. So, and yeah, no, it didn't happen right away. I still had an eating disorder. I didn't realize that I had a problem until I was kind of like 18, 19. I probably should have realized when I was a senior in high school and I almost didn't graduate high school um, because I would have to leave during fourth period because I wasn't able to make it through the rest of the day because the lights were hurting me so much and I was getting such bad migraines that I couldn't make it throughout the day. Um, So I should have noticed then. (laughs) (laughs) I realized, and I, I remember this like, like it was yesterday. I was outside Um, I went for my daily run and did my daily Pilates workout at five o'clock in the morning. I know (laughs) crazy, but this is the mind of of a girl who had an eating disorder. So, (laughs) um, and it was two o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was beating It was in the summer in Connecticut. And I remember having like getting up to go to the bathroom and I just went black. Like Mm -hmm. I just like blacked out, like everything, like my vision went black, like my vision went blurry, like I passed out. And I remember going like in my house, not telling my mom, not telling my sister, not like they had no idea what was going on. I hid it very well. Um, And just grabbing like the closest thing to me to eat and which was pretzels, salted pretzels. And I just like shoved them in my mouth. And then in that moment I realized, wait, okay, (laughs) 
I have a problem. I have an issue. And I, I, at that point, I was already going to doctors who told me kind of that I wasn't eating enough. But back then, when I, my age, um, I know I'm not that old, but back then, mental health and eating disorders wasn't really like as accepted as it is like now, um, kind of being that advocacy for that mental health, kind of like telling younger boys and girls that um, having an eating disorder is, isn't necessarily the best thing to have. Um, so a lot of the doctors kind of just were like, oh, you have to eat more. Oh, she can't work out. Like I wasn't allowed to work out, but I was still working out. Um, but that was kind of just the point that made me realize like, okay, wait, I, I need to get better. I need to recover. I need to realize that I need to start eating and stop starving myself. Right. Yeah. It's the, the discussion around eating disorders is kind of like, well, I mean, it, it's literally in the discussion of mental health, but I agree when I was, when I was in high school and stuff and someone had an eating disorder, it was yeah. just like anything else where we would look and be like, Oh, it's, it's like, um, like in high school, I, cause I was bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming back to high school, like summer after and everyone was like oh my god Jess you look amazing wow you're so skinny oh my god so it was kind of like okay I look great let me continue going so it's like when you're bigger and you go skinnier like skinny it's like you're a success story and no one really cares if you had an eating disorder if you starved yourself they just care with the fact that you were bigger and then you're not so they just they don't care about what's in between so it's crazy when you think about it how that's like the norm like that's the normal like people don't care about that especially during my time that's what made me continue like with my eating disorder N- hearing the people say wow you look amazing wow you look the best you've ever had like those words of affirmation made me feel good and made me feel like what I was doing was okay right yeah no exactly and yeah it's it's interesting that I love that you mentioned that is that the fat to skinny is always the success story. And then if you gain weight, it's always like, Oh God, yeah. you know, like that's the, <laughs> I've been there. Like I've gained weight. Yep. I, like you go from sports and then in the summer you take the summer off and you gain weight. You come back. They're like, Oh God, what happened to you? It's like I know, that, exactly. that, discu- <laughs> that discussion is just horrible. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. It's like you're people, if you're bigger and, you, and like, it's just kind of people just think bad against it people are like oh okay she was so skinny why is she bigger now my god and like but it people don't understand like what another person's going through they don't understand like the ends of where they get like of course I gained weight so I thought everyone was gonna say something about it but something that I realized and that I try to allow like my followers, like people who follow me, people, what I advocate is that no one cares. I thought people were going to care that I gained weight. I thought people were going to care that I wasn't skinny anymore. And everyone's like, no one notices, no one cares. It's, it's really just in your head considering it is a mental health disorder. So it makes sense. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, now when you were going through recovery at 18, 19, how were you able to push through the hard points? Because it recovering's tough. It is. And, you know, there's a lot of times where you lose motivation to keep going because you're like, oh, I'm not getting better or it's not mm-hmm. linear like I expected. So what, yeah. what got you pushing through those times of doubt? Um, 
I'm not gonna lie, I relapsed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely you're right. It's not linear. It's like an up and down kind of like journey. Um, what got me through it and like continuing it was myself and kind of no one else. Um, I just knew in myself that like I wanted to get better for me. And I think that's the most about recovery is that you can't force someone who doesn't want to go into recovery. And this is for everything. Who doesn't want to go into recovery? They have to want to do it themselves. So I realized that I didn't want to hide what I was doing. I realized that I wanted to recover for me and just me. And I think that's also what helped me in the end to fully recover, knowing that I'm doing it just for myself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I've gone to therapy to try to get better for other people and it, it doesn't work. It doesn't like, work. It, ne- yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Like you can't, you can't go into the recovery with the mindset like that. You're doing it for another person. You can't, it, it has to be a hundred percent yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now when you were going through recovery, what were you right out of the gate, open and honest with your family and friends or did that take time? That took time. Um, I think my mom knew because, uh, she said something to me, (laughs) um, and my sister kind of like figured it out. Um, I remember one of my best friends and I'm friends with her to this day. We've been friends for like 17 years, literally since we were little kids, um, which I'm grateful for that friendship. Mm -hmm. I remember going to her house, like when I was 18, 19, every day every morning and she would make me breakfast and she would sit down with me and she wouldn't like talk about the food or anything triggering to me in the sense um and she would just sit there and eat with me and she was there for me and she supported me in that sense and I eventually opened up to her about it because I she knew I knew she knew she knew because my sister said something to her because my sister figured it out um but she was just there for me and that was kind of like allowed me to kind of open up about it, but it, I didn't open up about it to anyone else until a couple years ago when I made this post on National Eating Disorder Awareness um, Day, and I kind of let everyone know, like in social media, everyone was shocked. You know, everyone was like, "Oh my God, you had an eating disorder!" And I was like, "Yeah, I did." Um, and everyone was kind of like, "Oh my God, I had no idea," and like just saying all this and I'm just like well you wouldn't know because a person who has an eating disorder any mental health disorder they hide it from anyone um it's just something that we do so I guess I told some of my close friends but I just wasn't willing to open up about that just yet I love what you said about your friend because you know when when we're talking about because you know people reach out all the time talking about like how can I be there for people in my life for any sort of mental health issue and it's always like you know it's hard not to overcomplicate the scenario because you Mm -hmm. just want to be there for them and you just want to try your hardest you know to be there for them and sometimes all you need is just like you said something simple because like no go for it oh no I was just gonna say just like just being there like you're right it's just it's it was something simple but thinking back about it it's something that was 
big in my recovery journey, knowing that people supported me in their little ways, in their little simple ways that they could. Yeah, right. Exactly. And honestly, for me personally, I'm sure you feel this too. When I was, I, I really, I wanted to reach out to people, but I didn't at the same time because I knew that once I did, they would try to swarm me and overcomplicate mm-hmm. the I'm here for you scenario. Yeah. But it was the friends that like, I, I tell this story all the time, but my <laughs> one friend, she held my hand going to therapy for the first time and didn't do anything else. That was it. Yeah. And it was like the biggest game changer for me because yeah. she didn't overcomplicate it. And I think that's, that's so important to remember is that like, you know, when people ask all the time, like, what, what can I do? It's don't just keep it simple keep it simple because that's oftentimes that's what people need is something less Mm -hmm. overwhelming than what they expect exactly I agree like I don't I I don't think at that point in my my journey I needed someone to say like you you need to get better like just like in my face kind of throwing in my face I think I just needed someone silently there who kind of was just my friend being my friend just in that moment and not being overbearing just kind of being there for me and that's awesome that your your friend was there for you because that's exactly like just that little holding the hand like I think that's amazing (laughs) right yeah and honestly like when she did it at first because you have that toxic masculinity kind of mentality you're like what the fuck are you doing why are you doing that (laughs) like like, hold my hand stop this (laughs) I'm not a baby why are you holding my hand but like looking back I really I really appreciated it because at that point I was not gonna go by myself like I wanted to get yeah. help, but I was like, not a chance. I also praise you because um, as a male going to therapy, that's incredible. Um, especially since like, and going back to the, the whole talk about eating disorders, people don't think that guys get eating disorders, but they do. So like, I feel like there's a, a lot of stigma around that. Um, so I definitely applaud you for doing that because like I said, as a male, a lot of men don't want to go to therapy just because it hurts their masculinity in a sense right well thank you very much but all like (laughs) no it it's so true and especially like now that we're on the topic about eating disorders because guys go through that and they go through the body dysmorphia but they don't want to talk about it because no (laughs) i don't know it's just not something you want to open up about like hey i struggle with my body image and they're like what are you a woman like no everyone goes through it exactly what kind of there's like such a gender stigma on like who can get eating disorders who goes to therapy any anything um and if they hear that a guy has it they're like oh just like suck it up like you're be a man and i'm just like what is being a man you can't have any like like you can't go to therapy you can't do stuff like that like what a woman does like they put like gender stereotypes on those type of things and I'm just kind of like wait it shouldn't be stereotyped to a specific gender I mean going to therapy is going to therapy it's not oh only women can go to therapy not men because it's going to hurt their masculinity no no a guy can go to therapy and not hurt his masculinity Right. I completely disagree. I think if you're a man going to therapy, you're a whim. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. But... I couldn't tell if you were being serious. No, no, no. I was like, wait a second. Hey, what? I went to therapy, but I'm the exception. No, I'm kidding. No. I'm the exception. No one else can go. Just me. Yeah, no. But like in all seriousness, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I like that the conversation is shifting and I like that 
you know, when I was growing up, if I could watch these episodes of me opening up about stuff online, I'd be like, what are you doing right now? Like, why are you, what are you doing? But now we're in a place where we can talk about this stuff, even like in your situation, like with eating disorders, could you ever imagine like in high school ever opening up about this online and being like, Hey, I have this thing that I struggle with. Absolutely not. (laughs) If I'm being honest, I, I think when I was 16 and and you never really think how your life is going to go. But I just, when I was 16, I never imagined ever, ever like opening up about my mental health disorders, about my eating disorders, about, about anything, about just being on social media in general. It just wasn't me. But then I realized that I was doing a disservice to myself and to other women and men around the world who need to know that someone went through recovery, relapsed, but are here and they're doing great. So I kind of just think in the back of my head that like, I'm doing this for myself and for the other people who need to know um, that it's okay, that recovery is, it works and it's okay. Um, Because when I was 16, I didn't have someone like that on social media. I didn't have someone like saying like, oh, you're worthy just the way that you are, like giving me those like affirmations. And it's funny when you think about it, because like you're listening to a person on the internet, a person that you don't know and, but they're influencing and impacting like your life. So I think that's funny in that sense, Um, because I've had people, multiple people message me on Instagram and say, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you so much for your words. Like it really helps. Like I needed this today. And it just makes you feel good because it makes you, even if you just impact one person, I feel like you, you, you achieved like all that you achieved because like making impact on one person is just amazing in my point of view. Right. No, I, 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 yeah, again, I completely agree. And I think I love that people on social media are trying to influence positively now. Because like when it first started, I mean, I'm only speaking from experience, but when the Mm -hmm. influencer trend kind of started for guys anyway, it was all super jacked guys, or it was the really skinny teen boys that everyone has an addiction with for some reason, like the Timothy (laughs) Chamolet kind of looking, I don't know, I don't get it. But, uh, (laughs) but like, as a kid growing up trying to figure out why my body was different from everyone, seeing these influencers blow up when it's like, they don't have the back hair or they, they're, they're skinny and they're lean and they're tall and they have abs. You're like, Oh God, is that like the figure of perfection now? Like, is that, yeah. is that what I have to strive to be? Cause I'm not going to get there. I'm, I, I'm not going to grow anymore. Is that the beauty standard? Yeah. I guess like, yeah, exactly. And so now to have it shift, like, I mean, shit, you know, it, I was going to say like, I feel like, especially for women and men, I feel men, I feel like the, the standards of, how to look has definitely changed now um on my instagram feed all you see is like body positivity and my friends yeah (laughs) um i kind of like unfollowed every person who was destroying my mental health and triggering to me like those perfect sculpted girls amazing they look beautiful um don't want to disregard like them at all because I'm a woman that likes to support other women Mm -hmm. but for me it's just triggering to see women like that on my feed so I feel like doing that like and part of recovery is finding your triggers finding what triggers you and kind of just like cutting them out of your life so that's what I did um but the standard definitely has changed you can see it like it's more acceptable to 
be bigger and show your skin and it's okay. And I, I love that. I like love seeing that all over my feet, all over social media. Cause I'm like, wow, like seeing where we were when I was 16 to being 26. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. And we, we have, a, we have way more, more to go, but the steps that we're taking and the confidence that you see in these people is just outstanding. And it makes me happy. And it makes my childhood thinking back. I was like, my 16 year old would be happy if she saw this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, that actually, that happened to me, I want to say a month or two ago. And I didn't realize, cause you know, when you're growing up, like where I am now, I just assume that representation for my body type won't impact me on social media. Cause I'm like, I know who I am, but I was, I was on TikTok and for way too long, of course, admittedly. But uh, I saw this one video of this dude dancing with his shirt off. I don't know why it came on my feed, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It was funny, but um, he had like literally the exact same body as me. And I just, I don't know. I, I had never really seen that before. And the comments were all mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like dream guy. I'm like, really? What? Since when? <laughs> like, You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In my bed, I was like, yes. But it, it's just, it, it literally was nothing in the grand scheme of things. It was a small little video yeah. that this dude decided to post. And it wasn't, it was literally probably six seconds long. But then you, like that little six second moment, you're like, I feel good right now. I feel pretty good. And it, that- Because your body type is, you're like who you are, like your person that's represented like in social media and like you see another person doing it. So you're like, oh my God, wait. I look like him. Oh my God. Yes. Right. Like it's represented. Like I finally, I don't see like the washboard abs. Like, Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Just be happy. Oh, I see the one pack. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh, great. Not everyone on here is a chiseled God. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Makes you feel good. Yeah. hundred percent. Now on the topic of like, um, self-love and stuff, how, when, when you were going through recovery and still today, like when did you notice a change in your self-love and the way you viewed yourself in the mirror? <laughs> if I'm being honest, I, I do a little laugh because I'm just like, oh, wait, I kind of felt like this, this question was coming along. <laughs> um, I'm very predictable. I was going <laughs> to say, I was like, <laughs> no, I was kind of taken off guard with some questions. So, um, to be honest, that didn't get better until like two years ago. Mm -hmm. If I'm being 110% honest, when I was 24, um, I think up until then, I was still looking in the mirror, looking at myself and just kind of hating, absolutely hating the way I looked. Like I, I just thought it was disgusting and gross. And like, I had such bad body dysmorphia and it just something just kind of like triggered me in the sense that like, I was like, wait, I am not disgusting. I'm not gross. Like now, like 24 to now 26, which a lot can happen in two years. Um, I feel like I've gained more of acceptance. And I think what helped me that with that was so typically on social media, I would kind of post a photo and then post like a caption and the caption would be all about body positivity and body love. And I was kind of doing it for myself in a sense too, because like, if you continue telling yourself these things, um, eventually it gets, it, it happens, it gets stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. um, but 
from 24 to 26, I decided to actually post like videos and pictures of like not perfectly ankled photos, like my actual true skin and being more accepting of my body on social media and showing people that it's okay to look like this. And I think that's what kind of helped me to accept that and like love my body more and get this fully on in self-love. Um, because before then I wasn't, um, now I look in mirrors and like, I barely lift my shirt up because I would always lift my shirt up to look at my stomach whenever I passed the mirror because I wanted to make sure I was skinny still, even especially after a meal. Mm. Like if I ate a meal, I would immediately go to the bathroom, look at my stomach, like, okay, okay. I look good. Still. I look skinny. I don't look big. Now I'm just kind of like, hmm, I don't have to lift my shirt up to know like I look good. Okay. Like it's kind of just something for yourself. Um, so two years ago, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that meal thing that just, that's, I literally can relate to that. I, every time I eat, I'm like, I'm going to be right back. I'm like, did, did I bloat? Did I over bloat? Oh, there's this girl I found on TikTok, and, um, she's all about body positivity and she posts these TikToks. I, I wish I knew her name. I completely spaced about it, but she posts these TikToks where she shows her stomach without food. And then she comes back after eating a big meal and shows her stomach bloated, like, like, how his stomach should look after it eats food and she's like this is normal like your looks are the least attractive thing about you like and I feel like also seeing her videos her TikToks doing that has kind of made me realize like wait that is normal what am I doing and she's like fuel your body like you don't need to go like if you're going out to a bar eat it's okay so I think seeing that also has helped in the sense because like you're actually seeing someone who's who's tiny who's skinny and then showing other people like this is what happens when you eat food, mm. and that's okay. I love that. I, I think oh, I yeah. think I know who you're talking about. I think I've seen them. Um, she's pretty big. Uh, I but she's great. Like I when she popped on my like for you page, I was like, oh my god, I have to follow her. It's like this is great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 awesome because that that's another thing that never got talked about either was that you do bloat when you eat, which seems like common sense now, but whenever I would like for me whenever I would eat I was like why why do I feel so fat now like everyone goes through it man like eating bread I remember eating bread and I'm just like oh my god the next day I just feel so bloated I'm just like why do I feel so bloated I'm like oh I ate so much bread yesterday yeah. like makes sense so oh I, I drank a normal. I drank a carton of milk oh that's <laughs> <laughs> who drinks a carton of milk I don't know I did <laughs> When, don't don't judge me what the hell no judge no judge <laughs> judgment free zone wait a minute there, i i have felt judgment through the screen no I'm kidding. <laughs> no i i i don't know i i would always do it like after swim practice i would drink like a liter of chocolate milk okay well that makes sense not gonna lie when people like i see people when they're like bulking or when they need to get an extra calories they drink chocolate milk or milk in general because you get those calories in especially if you have to eat like a crap ton of them so i get it yeah it, it was really smart when you're lactose intolerant yeah it's oh yeah so smart yeah. continue with the milk and then add on with ice cream you're good to go yeah the, i'm feeling the <laughs> i'm feeling the judgment now i'm getting no i'm kidding <laughs> um <laughs> really because i thought i was giving sarcasm <laughs> yeah i know i don't know whatever it's i'm too i'm too bloated to know the difference no i'm kidding uh <laughs> What's your process for when you when you start to feel those triggers come on or you, you end up in a position where you're starting to get that negative self-talk back? Like, what's your step-by-step -step for getting out of it? That's a really great question um, and actually making me really, really think really hard because 
I still to this day get thoughts in my mind and it's scary to kind of like say that um I kind of force myself to eat food that I enjoy um like if I think oh my god I look fat and I'm like no I need to eat something I guess my I don't really have like a step-by-step process it's kind of more so pushing those thoughts to the back of your mind and kind of doing the complete opposite I don't know I don't maybe it is maybe I do have a step-by-step process and I've never really noticed it um it's also the matter of kind of talking to someone I noticed that if I talk to someone um I feel a little bit better or I might go read a book or go work out or go do something to get my mind off of it like um and keep myself busy um I think I guess that's my process I feel like I really, I don't really have a process. I don't know. I never really thought about that. Um, But what I've been doing like has worked. I think I got to the point where I can kind of push those thoughts to the side. I can kind of tell myself like, I, you don't want to be where you were when you were 16. Like I, and oh, this is what helps too. Looking at photos of myself when I was 16, when I was younger, and like putting them side by side to where I am now, that might be triggering to other people who are going, who went through what I went through, who had an eating disorder, um, body dysmorphia, anything like that. It might be triggering for them, but for me, I kind of see myself in the in the light, and I'm like, oh, like I was sick here. Like I, like I might look good in someone else's eyes, but in mine, like I was sick. Like I was not okay and here I'm healthy I look great I'm recovered so putting them side by side and looking at them I'm kind of like I don't want to be the left side of the girl again she was a part of my journey she was I don't regret her she she made me who I am today but I want to be the girl on the right so I guess that's my process (laughs) right no I love kind of like all over the place (laughs) no I love that though because the first step like you just admitted is uh or that you just said is like acknowledging that those thoughts are coming back i think that's that's the important one that you have to do because i mean for me when i was going through recovery and i would get the thoughts again i would be like no there's no way and you would push them down and that's not ideal i did that in the beginning and i think like how you said acceptance and acknowledging those thoughts definitely is like a great step to have like you need to acknowledge that you are having thoughts and that that's okay but they're not going to last forever, you know, like, you might be having thoughts now, but just like, keep pushing through them, like, and also, I want people to know that relapse is a part of everyone's journey, you know, like, and that you're not a failure, not less of who you are as a person if you do relapse. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't be so hard on yourself when it happens. Yeah, just exactly. Like I, I was so hard on myself, like, Cause I remember eating a brownie and then immediately going for like a five mile run. I was a runner when I was back then. So yeah, I did track and everything in high school. Mm -hmm. So I was a runner Um, and eating a brownie, going for a run and then like going to the bathroom, trying to make myself throw up. And this was like during like my recovery period and stuff. And I just felt like such a failure. Like, oh my God, like I kind of like relapsed. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't even make myself throw up. Like it was just like but it happens and it's a part of everyone's journey. And you just know that that's okay. Like that just means that you're human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't think that gets talked about enough when it comes, because 
even I mean for anything in the world you, you when you mm -hmm. talk about like the journey it's always like the end result like the success at the end and the fact that oh admitting it's the first step but we don't really talk about the middle part where it's like hey you're never yeah. you're not going to improve every time by the way I yeah but like and it brings me back to what we were talking about earlier like how I said like the success story with the getting your you're bigger and then you get skinny but no one really cares about the middle part they just care that you got there mm -hmm. um and I think also recovery relates to and I'm only saying this because I'm in the field currently um like substance use disorders like with recovery like people don't like to talk about like recovery but what we learn is that you have to talk about recovery you know but you also have to be there like and also that people think that as a substance use disorder or any disorder, any mental health or anything like that, um, relapse is kind of taboo, taboo, but it's, it's not, you know, like you just need to know that it is a part of your story. It is a part of who you are and that's okay. It's okay because like you're human, you're, that makes you a person, like everyone makes mistakes. So why can't you make a mistake on your recovery journey? Right. Yeah. Why, why are you setting yourself like, I mean, you should, but in some aspects but why are you setting yourself to a higher standard than the human population when it comes to recovery exactly. that's, yeah that's not, i agree that's like no it's not like you're a human you're a person like you make mistakes in your everyday life so you are allowed to make a mistake during your recovery um, and i just don't want people to know that that i've relapsed i've made mistakes but i'm You cut out. Oh, I cut out. Yeah, you were you were talking about I made mistakes, but and then you cut out. Oh, uh, I was saying that I'm a better a better person with no regrets. Like I don't regret anything in in my life. Like all the relapses and the mistakes and anything like that. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. There, there, <laughs> there's one question that keeps nagging my head because I talk like we've talked about eating disorders, body dysmorphia and that like body dysmorphia is a reoccurring theme on the show. And when I, when I'm sitting alone and I'm trying to reflect on everything and like that, that's part of my recovery process is like reflecting on life and gratitude and everything. But when it comes, when it comes to body dysmorphia, like how, how do you even explain to someone who's never experienced it? Like what it is? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like someone who that wow, that's that's really hard. Oh my god. <laughs> Cuz I guess I'll just go through what I like how I would explain it to. I guess it's more so when you look in the mirror, you look at yourself and you don't recognize who you are. You don't know who you are. Like you look at yourself and you feel like you're looking at a completely different person. Like this isn't you. Like and at least for me, when I looked in the mirror, I was like, this isn't me. I don't look like this. Like you just like automatically think in your head, like, and it just messes with your head too. You're like, and then also it's a matter of like, when I was super skinny, um, I'm five, seven. Mm -hmm. So when, during my, the, like my eating disorder, I was 110 pounds. So 110 pounds on a five person who's five, seven is like super yeah. skinny, like extremely skinny, um, skin and bones. I was literally bones. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I would look in the mirror and I would think this isn't me. I'm fat. Like I'm gross. Like I'm like you, you just look in the mirror and you just like, you kind of like don't see yourself. Um, and I think that's also, that's body dysmorphia in a sense, but like body dysmorphia is so hard to 
explain to a person who never experienced it. But then in, when I think about it, people who even don't have any disorders go through body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. Like if you are in the fitness world, you know, and you're competing, for instance, like a fitness competitor, um, a bikini competitor, because I've had friends who did shows like in, in the competition field um, and they didn't have any disorder. They were great, loved food, everything like they were, they were good. But once they started gaining weight, that's when I noticed that they had that body dysmorphia. They were like looking in the mirror and they're like, oh my God, like, and they don't even look big, you know? And that's also why I can't do a bikini competition show because that's triggering for me in a sense that like, I don't want to get up on stage and have my body compared to another other woman's body. Mm. Um, I don't want to disregard bikini competitors or compet- like, I think they're amazing. Like what they do is hard, but it's hard for a person to have an eating disorder to do one of those shows. But just as an example, like my friend, she, when she gained weight after her competition, she was like, who am I? Like, this isn't me. Like, I don't like, she just only wanted to see herself as a skinny person. Like she couldn't see herself as a a person who looked normal. She was like, no, I look gross. I look fat. I need to lose weight. Like this isn't. And those shows kind of create that body dysmorphia. Um, I guess that was the best way for me to explain it, but it's, it's super hard to explain body dysmorphia to someone else. But like I said, I feel like a lot of people then we know go through body dysmorphia and they probably don't even know and realize that they're actually experiencing body dysmorphia. Right. No, I love the way you explained it for that reason is one, because people may be going through it who don't even know they're <laughs> going through it. And two, if you're one of those people looking from the outside in, I mean, you explained it perfectly, but it, it's so hard to even kind of grasp the whole idea because like if you're a friend of someone who's going through body dysmorphia and they look healthy and they're telling mm-hmm. you that they're fat and disgusting as someone who's never understood it you're you're kind of looking at it like what the hell are you talking about yeah and then it's like it's all like i've i've had i've seen this firsthand where people are experiencing that body dysmorphia and they're like, I'm fat, I'm gross, I need to lose weight. And they're, they, I mean, they don't. But um, mm-hmm. like people just go, you're just looking for attention. You're just fishing for yeah. attention right now. Stop it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you in that sense. Like people think like, oh my God, like, but like, here's my whole premises is that you can be the most confident person, the most prettiest person, like beauty standards wise by society. Um but also the person who is dealing with the most, the person who is the most insecure, the person with that body dysmorphia. Um, so like, even, even if you're confident or something like that, you have that. And I agree with you. Like when I looked at my friend, I was like, you look amazing, but it's also a matter of you need to step back and realize that they have a, like, they have body dysmorphia. They have like a mental health illness. They have something. And I, I consider body dysmorphia mental health illness. I'm not sure if that's like kind of already like talked about that body dysmorphia is a mental health illness, but um, I'm kind of, I label it as one because it's in your head, like it's, it's your mind thing. So it's like you're, it's, it's mental. Um, so in that moment, it's kind of hard to also help a person with body dysmorphia because you don't know the right words to say, like 
and it, you kind of, I mean, at least for me, I would get nervous because like, I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> I don't know what to say yeah. <laughs> because like, I went through like having an eating disorder. So it's like, I don't know if I should just stand here or like, kind of like say something. And I guess I kind of just in a sense, reassure them reassurance is, I guess the best way to do it. But, but you're hundred percent right. Like I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, no body dysmorphia though. If it's not classified as a mental health or a mental illness sorry you should at least approach it like one i think mm-hmm. that's the important thing is that you don't don't just dismiss these thoughts that yeah. are controlling your everyday actions yeah exactly and actually one of my triggers was the word fat i hated the word fat so like whenever my friend would call herself fat like i would be triggered in that sense like i don't know why it was one of my triggers but it was mm-hmm. So it was also hard in that sense when you're recovering um, and then you see someone who also has a like body dysmorphia and you're just like, you're just standing there. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Right. But I also think that that's okay. Like not knowing what to do. Like it's, it's okay to not know what to do. So, well, that just goes back to the, the simplicity thing. If you don't know what to do, just be there for them. Yeah, exactly. So I was just there. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, I'll just be here supporting you doing your thing <laughs> i love it i love it you need people like that exactly now uh, people. yeah exactly now on on the topic of body dysmorphia it's kind of a reoccurring theme <laughs> lately that i've been talking about is the body dysmorphia the self-love on the show and that i think that's primarily because you know i mean it's no secret we've been in a pandemic for two years and a lot of people you know may have you know, not done some healthy coping mechanisms. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because I was the same way, (laughs) but you know, like stress eating or lack of movement or, you know, isolation and not doing anything, not socializing anything. And so there, there's an increase of body dysmorphia because you're looking at, if you look at pictures from two years ago, you're like, what the hell did I do wrong? Like, why, why am I so much bigger now? Or why am I, you know, why do I look so different? And mm-hmm. I, it's a reoccurring thing that I've heard from friends of mine is that they've gained weight and they're just beating themselves up right now because they don't know what went wrong. The last two years have been a blur and now it's a steep inclined hill to get back to where they want to be. So in your personal opinion, having gone through body dysmorphia, the eating disorder, and now being in the work in the field of advocacy work, how should people who are experiencing that increase in body dysmorphia how should they navigate the next couple months or couple years yeah that's a a great question again wow (laughs) Wow. Um, I also (laughs) just want to disclose that I'm I'm not in a way like a doctor registered in a sense I kind of just go off from my experience and um I am in the mental health field currently Mm -hmm. which is um the field that I personally want to go into like and continue going into um but I do agree with you. I think that, and I notice it too with my friends. Um, like you, the, you're right. The last two years was a whirlwind, and surprisingly, during these last two years was kind of the years that allowed me to recover fully and love myself fully. Which I guess kind of I did like a complete backwards of what everyone else is doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so a person suffering with body dysmorphia. Um, and how to like navigate that in the next couple years, I guess is to accept yourself first, like how we talked about like acceptance and everything. Um, 
And wow, that's wow. Okay. <laughs> you got me stumbled. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Oh, do you like doing that? Not like so predictable. <laughs> Not so predictable now, huh? <laughs> I'm like stumbled. Like I, cause I'm not sure. It, I feel like I'm not sure because it's it's hard. You know, it's hard to describe what a person should do and give them advice in that sense. I guess it's a matter of like, you're not going to know, you know, like you're not going to know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. But I guess for me personally, if putting myself in their shoes would be to set a routine, you know, like wake up every day with a specific mindset and just have a routine. Like if you want to journal, like what are your goals for the day? What are you going to do? Um, and also do things that make you feel good and make you happy that make your mind not have to go towards that body dysmorphia. Like if you like going for hikes, go for a hike like three or four times a week, do stuff that makes you happy, that makes you feel really good. Um, at least that's what I would do. I would wake up with an intention every day and make a list of goals and kind of be that type of person and do that. And it's very hard to, to kind of like explain and describe what someone should do because you're not going to know because every person is different. So everything, what works well for me might not actually work well for another person. So, but I guess just be present, make intentions, make goals and just be there. I like what you said about intention because like you said, everyone's different and everyone's going to have a different way to go about it. But setting the intention is relatively universal, I'd like to say, because you know, it, it doesn't matter how you approach things or your interests mm -hmm. or anything. The intention can be about anything. And it's such an important thing because, I mean, here in Ontario, we're in a lockdown again, like a, a lockdown. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like stuff's closed and it sucks. It really does. And I've talked to a lot of people about how they have zero motivation to do anything because we've been going in and out of lockdowns. Like what is the point of anything is kind of the universal thought for people our age yeah. anyway. And so just having that intention every day gives you something to look forward to during that day or something to actually do mm -hmm. as opposed to just sitting there with your thoughts going, what is the point of even being here? Yeah. Like do something like when I was in lockdown, um, in Connecticut, um, I remember every day me and my sister would always, she would pick me up, <laughs> come to the house, pick me up and we'd go for walks mm -hmm. and get like coffee because coffee places like Starbucks and Dunkin' was still open. Right. Um, we would go, I would get like a matcha latte and she would get coffee and we would go for walks and we started like picking shows that we wanted to watch together and we would just hang out together. Um, I know you're supposed to social distance, but it's hard to social distance from your sister, right, yeah. from your best friend. Like you need some form of human connection. Um, and we we're only hanging out with each other. So we thought it was okay, um, which it was mm -hmm. like, we were fine. But I kind of looked forward to waking up and going for those hikes, going for those walks, like watching our show, Sweet Magnolia's amazing show on Netflix. Um, and just like, I looked forward to that. And I think that's also what helped me during, during quarantine was that I looked forward to be hanging out with my sister every single day right. and doing stuff that I enjoyed. And you're right. Like look forward to something every day. Like how I said with intention, like if you're not looking forward to your day, how are you going to get through it? Mm -hmm. You know, just like look forward to something, like do something that's going to make you want to continue. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that makes you want that. That is such, it's such a hard thing to tell people, but it's so important. You have to continue. I don't, I don't, I mean, for me, I don't care how you continue, but you you have to, because no, I mean, yeah. for me, there were days in that lockdown where I didn't do a single thing. And I mean, granted, I don't know if I had the mental capacity to do anything, but in those days where I did nothing and I didn't progress in any way, like I did literally nothing. I just sat there and mm-hmm. beat myself up and made myself feel bad about the situation I was in. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to be. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, um, that's definitely a dangerous place to be. Like, that's why I feel like as a person who suffers from mental illness, as a person who suffers from an eating disorder, I can't just lay in bed and just kind of fiddle with my thumbs and listen to my thoughts. I, I need to do something. <laughs> I can't just, I can't just do that anymore. It's not something that I can do. So you are right. Like quarantine is, I, it was dangerous for some, for a lot of people. And I feel like mental illness in that field kind of just suffered during that entire pandemic. Well, we're still in pandemic, but just those yeah. two, those like time of lockdown and everything. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The world's crazy, but we love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we love it's it. Very um, Sorry, my laptop's dying. No, actually you did that transition fairly smoothly. <laughs> there wasn't much noise. I was actually impressed with that. <laughs> I've had practice. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, my uh, my last question for you, Jessica, and um, okay. we we've talked about you know how recovery is not linear and it can be a pain in the ass sometimes because you just want the results. But you recently, I think it was yesterday, you posted an Instagram story that showed your ten year transformation. Um, yes. <laughs> and it's just it's such a great reminder that you know recovery isn't linear and and that it takes a long freaking time. So oh, yeah. for people who are maybe in a position that you were in, let's say five years into their recovery and they're seeing those dips and inclines along the way, like what would you want to say to them if there's like, if they may be starting to feel discouraged because the recovery process is taking so long? Um, one thing that I would say is as hard as it gets, don't give up. I know you're going to want to, and I know it sounds so simple to say and something so simple to do, but don't give up because honestly, it's worth it. Um, kind of seeing my 10 year transformation. And that wasn't even like, I think it was 2011 till 2000, like literally December, 2011 to December, 2021. And I just like kind of caught myself staring at that 10 year photo and like, seeing how my face filled out and like I don't look and that's not even the peak of like my eating disorder either that picture I have way worse ones Mm. um but and I guess this can even say like if I can say something to my younger self even so like this is what I would say is like it it gets better it may not be better right now and you may your thoughts are valid and what you're feeling is valid but it gets better and if you give up now, you'll never know 10 years down the road where you can be in your life. You'll never know the amazing and completely beautiful person that you can be 10 years down the road if you give up now. If you allow yourself to give in to those thoughts, allow yourself to give in to what you're feeling, which is valid, but to know that it's okay. So I guess 
the thing with that is to not give up because you just won't know, you know, like be here, be there, like just don't give up. It's just something that I've always like wanted to tell my younger self is to never give up. Like, because it's it, looking back and like talking about my story with you today and about what I went through, it kind of makes me happy because I, I didn't give up, but I didn't have someone to tell me that. I didn't have someone in my life who told me that my feelings are valid, who told me to never give up. I had to learn for it myself. And again, that's a big reason why I advocate for mental health right now is because I want to be that person, that person for that 16, 17 year old girl or boy who has, who feels like they have no one and who can look up to in that sense, because I've been through it. I went through it. Um, so I think that in a sense would be something that I would say to them. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like again, all over the place, but it makes sense because my thoughts are always all over the place. Right. No, it was, it was, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of 16 year old Harry's that are going to listen to this who really appreciate what you do, Jessica. So thank you. Thank you. I, I just, yeah, I hope there, I hope so. There'll be a lot of 16 year old Harry's and a lot of 16 year old Jessica's, um, listening to this because that would be amazing. And to know that, like, I think it's also a sense of like, you're seeing someone 10 years down the road recovered. And you're like, it kind of gives you hope, hope in the sense that like, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where can all my listeners find you if they want to see more of the stuff you do um so primarily i am based in on instagram that's kind of where i post all like my men mental health stuff so my instagram is jessica with two a's patry pretty sure that's it <laughs> um i kind of post some tiktoks and a lot of my tiktoks are mostly like body positivity and everything but mostly the basis is my instagram that's where i post like the stories, talking about mental health, um, kind of reassuring people, writing my posts, captions, and everything like that. I feel like that's just a way for me to be able to talk to people and connect with people in that sense. So Instagram is the main one for that one. Awesome. And I'll put that link down below. Jessica, again, thank you not only for all the work you do, but for coming on and sharing your story. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving a platform to people like me to be able to come on and talk about their story and kind of remember it because I had to do like a lot of like memory like memories like I was thinking like as the I know I know I talk a lot I'm sorry no I love it it's great <laughs> I was thinking in the past like week because I, I knew I had this this podcast to come on to and I was like thinking like oh my god what questions are you gonna ask me like oh my god like um because I'm a very self-critical person so it's like oh my god like and I was thinking, like, remembering back then, like, my eating disorder, but it, it's nice to remember how far and to, like, talk about how far you've come, because if you, if you see how we, how we first talked in the beginning, like, when I was telling you the basis and everything into where we are now, it's, like, everything in between, it, it just makes me happy looking back and remembering, so I thank you for creating this platform for someone like me to be able to do that, because it, it really does show, like, how far I've come from this 16 year old girl to this 26 year old woman who is trying to do work, good work in the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't even know you and I'm proud of you, but just like keep, 
keep keep going seriously we need more people keep going don't give up keep going don't give up we need need more people like you out there advocating for this stuff so thank you thank you i appreciate it and to all my listeners i will see you guys next time (laughs) 